0: and welcome to Chapter Tactics. This is a 40k podcast that focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I hope you enjoyed that advertisement at the beginning along with the intro. I am going to be working on shorting, shortening the intro so those of you who don't want to jam out for 60 plus seconds to an ad and Chapter Tactics intro do not have to. Also with us we've got Scarry from Scardcast. Hello, denizens. Mr. Brandon Grant.
1: Good to be back.
0: And, making his first appearance in the month of March, Peter the Falcon.
1: Hey, everybody! Kaka
2: <laughs>
0: Alright, so today's episode is going to be a good one. It is going to be actually short and sweet. We're going to talk about one very specific topic that we've covered before in the past, actually, in episode 105, uh, which is the idea of tilt, of mental fortitude of grit and willpower and how you can use mental exercises to make yourself more dominant and have a stronger mindset going into games. Gaming and competition is very much a mental sport and being mentally stable, mentally healthy, or in a competitive mindset is important for overall success in competition, not just physical. It's also mental as well, and that's something we've brushed on in the past episodes, including that tilted episode I mentioned earlier. Uh, however, we're going to dive in depth here, and also special shout out to Mr. Brandon Grant who gave us the I- or gave me the idea about this episode, and he uh, went ahead and outlined a basic note structure for the episode. So uh, kudos to Brandon for coming up with a subject in the final hour and helping me out uh, because to this weekend, I didn't have much time to prepare this weekend.
1: No worries. hope right. it works out.
0: Well, let's try our best. But first and foremost, if you're new to chapter tactics, head on over to the frontline gaming network at frontline org or Spotify or anywhere you can find podcasts. The frontline gaming network is where you can find four amazing podcasts brought to you by frontline gaming. We have 40 K stats center, the Art of War, Signals from the Frontline, and of course, Chapter Tactics, each with its own flavor of competitive 40 kness and podcasting ability. They're all really good. I do highly recommend you listen to them. And if you're interested in supporting this podcast in particular, head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics. The patrons get access to Facebook groups, the Discord, List Advice, all of the co-hosts, and also a special raffle every month. This month, I decided I'm going to give away something that I normally don't give away, one lucky patron is going to win a painting set. It's a painting set that I put together. It is about $100 in MSRP worth of paints. It'll come with brushes, paints, whatever you need, and there's some customizability there too. So if you're looking to get your three-color minimum up and ready for a tournament coming up soon, head on over to patreon.com, where you can be eligible to win that. So we're going to get my hobby on this week, and we're going to help someone get their hobby on as well too speaking of getting my hobby on I am in the process of painting a uh, Space Marine Army and are finishing painting the rest of my Space Marine Army and I'm getting ready to play a bunch of games uh, so that'll look for that look for that episode to come up soon. it'll be basically where I talk to people about getting my list ready to go. I'm definitely gonna step up this year. I know I mentioned a couple weeks earlier on an episode that I was gonna take a step back from gaming and focus more on the uh, community aspect of competitive 40k however, Recent events have led me to dr- have driven me to want to be better on all aspects. So I'm going to play a lot more. I'm going to travel a lot more. I'm going to focus more on uh, you know rebounding and making this a really special year. Okay. Uh, one more thing. One one PSA announcement. So uh, you may have heard of uh, COVID-19, as I'm sure the rest of the world's aware. That is uh, more commonly known as the coronavirus. The coronavirus is spreading around the world. Uh, CDC, the CDC's already uh, issued issued uh, health concerns, and uh, countries are quarantining. And it's going to affect us. Uh, there are already events that have canceled. There are going to be more and more events, I think, as the virus spreads, uh, that are going to cancel. And whether uh, whether um, you know. Uh, neutral i'm going to take i'm going to be very neutral here um because there is of course politics involved with all this whenever you have something as serious as this and you have multiple governments involved uh so it can be very politically charged so if, you, if you're in the comment section try to keep everything very civil very neutral uh i'm going to just focus on facts and then uh we'll we'll talk a little bit about it but essentially if you do go to an event in this time uh please just remember to monitor your symptoms currently the known symptoms of the coronavirus are fever cough, shortness of breath, uh, very particularly a dry cough. Um, if you've got lung congestion, and then also keep in mind that symptoms don't always show within the first five days. Um, so just, you know, please take care of yourself. Uh, wash your hands frequently for 20 seconds. What I've been doing is I've been singing smash the introduction to smash mouth, uh, all-star. Um, I've just been singing that to myself, uh, in the sink uh, or sometimes out loud. Um, But just, uh, you know, wash your hands frequently. Just try to remember that it. it, although it is airborne, it can be transmitted airbornely. It doesn't live very long in the air. It mostly lasts on surfaces. Uh, So if you're touching a lot of surfaces with your hands, a.k.a. a 40k table, terrain, dice, um, shaking your opponent's hand, just keep that in mind uh, and be mindful of that. Try to avoid touching your hands, your eyes, your nose. uh, And then also... If you are, um, if you do have a cough or if you, uh, if you, maybe you don't, maybe you don't have coronavirus per se, however you have allergies, just uh, be mindful that when you're playing your opponent, um, don't like spit on them (laughs) or cough at them. I've actually had this issue come up over the weekend uh, where someone sneezed on me and unapologetically sneezed on me while I was like standing at them at a Walmart and I looked at them and she just walked away without apologizing. I realized I I was, I was very uh, mortified you know obviously it was very rude however i realized that when we're playing 40k there is a social contract and i think not sneezing or coughing on your opponent is a part of that social contract so just be mindful of of um you, you know your breathing when you're when you're talking to your opponent of uh interacting with your opponent and um you know just be mindful of all that and uh stay safe please also if you're to and, and you're thinking about canceling um please if you think it's for the health and safety of your community uh do so and and um you know even if there's pushback it's it's your call and I'll support you personally I'll support you
3: 100% all right is there anything else you guys wanted to add to that i think you covered uh most of the bases there pablo um you know right now we sort of brace for it and um we can do the little things that matter that we have control over and that's, absolutely uh, You know, take, uh, eat eat food and eat your vitamins and drink orange juice and try and get your immune system going. That sort of stuff. And
1: wash your hands.
3: Yeah, that's the big one. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Please wash your hands. Soap, water. 20 seconds. Yep. All right. You could also break this episode up into 20 second segments. So every time you wash your hands, you just listen to 20 more seconds of the episode. You do that too. I don't recommend it. However, do whatever you need to do. All right. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to the main topic. So this topic was brought up by Brandon Grant. Um, and it's it's a really good topic in that it doesn't just pertain to our tabletop war game, but it also pertains to competition in general. Uh, so I'm going to stop talking. I've got three amazing guests who all have varied degrees of experience in this. And so I'm going to open up the question to the three of you. What is an example of, uh, of a time in a game? it Doesn't have to be forty k, although it would be appreciated if you yeah, get forty k related. Uh, when you weren't, when when you thought you could have been more strong mentally, uh, either when you're making a decision, uh, maybe you had a moment of negativity affect your gameplay or or whatever. Um, and did you overcome it? Just just tell us a story about that, uh, and we'll start with Peter.
2: Why me? Why do I always gotta get all this started going on? <laughs> um, a time in my life, or or that I've witnessed, uh, where the negativity got a little too much. Um, hmm.
1: if you're still deciding, Peter, I have one.
2: Go for it, man. This is your topic.
1: Hammer so, it out. um, I played Nick Nanavati, actually a few years ago at Nova in the Invitational, which was really cool, but. I'd only played him one time before and lost, barely. And then I'd already just lost just to Justin Curtis, so I was out of the running. And I really let all the feelings get into my head in that game, and I shouldn't have. Because um, Nick's list was perfectly tailored to counter mine. Uh, this was when the Castellan was big, and he was running the anti list of Eldar and um, Dark Eldar. And I just let it get into my head like I was making way too many passive decisions when I needed to be more aggressive and then Nick rolled really hot and I got kind of despondent about that and I think if I'd been in that mindset of I'm still in this to win it I would have done a lot better and I just let all of those nervous emotions get the best of me in that game and lost handily
3: so when I was starting to get into competitive 40k k. I want to say two, three years ago, two and a half, maybe three years ago. Um, I went to a tournament up in uh, in Canada, the capital city, Bloodbath, and I ended up playing against uh, Jason Sparks. And we had uh, this was back when Index was the run of the mill thing, and he was running like a crazy four plus, invulnerable save, Dark Angel like parking lot spam thing, which was like uh, really good at the time in Index, and. Uh, Basically, he like, looked at my tanks and just blew them all up with last cannons, and that sort of like, depressed me a lot, and, uh, and ended up <laughs> not playing as well as I could have, and in retrospect, I took a lot of risks to try and make it back into the game that I, that I probably shouldn't have, and you know, of course, in hindsight, had I not made those risks and just kept a cool head, I could have won that game.
2: Yeah, I mean I can go way back to uh, you know a good decade ago when I started playing uh 40K and fantasy. Um I remember being in an event um, playing fantasy with my beautiful lizard men, who I loved so dearly, and uh, went up against an opponent. And one thing anybody that's ever played against me will know is when dice don't do like what they should do on average, because I'm just always doing the calculations as we play, I'll start to grumble about it. Even if it's positive for me, I'll, I'll be like, oh, that's that's not how that should have worked. Average dice, it should have been this. Or, <laughs> and I'll do it like, a- anyway, I played this guy. And it was the it was basically who determined it was a four round event determine who would get into the finals between me and him and in like his opening volley he probably picked up a good half my army I was I was uh, had saves on fours I probably made about twenty percent of those saves and so the entire time I was just like getting grumbly and every time I'd fail another save I'd be a little more angry a little more angry and it it really threw me off my game for the rest of it like I could easily have won that game um and this this is something that just happens, right you you get down on yourself uh, or you get down on dice when it's not dice that caused the issue and you just you, it conflates and it gets bigger and bigger and uh yeah, and it basically I threw out all strategy and uh, I, I in in retrospect I, I'd lost the game specifically because I just gave up i I went into I got into a mood and I didn't carry it forward.
0: Yeah, and and so, I've actually got two two good stories. However, I, w- I want to focus on Peter's a little bit now. Um, when you when you lost, did you? How did you play the rest of the game? Like, did how did you treat your opponent? Um, did you just completely shut down, or did you still try and then just make mistake after mistake after mistake?
2: Oh, I I made just mistake after mistake. Right, I I stopped thinking strategically. Um... There came a point, you know, when you when the first die roll happens and it and it's way off off base, and it's not what it's supposed to be. you keep going, right? It's like, okay, whatever, because this is a dice game. I've played enough of them, I know. But then, you know, as they progress, it's it it builds up inside you, and the game uh, you you get tunnel vision, right? It's like, well, I guess this is the only way I'm gonna win. You don't stop and think. Um and you know we've t- you've talked about this on the show before. you kind of get into a tilt mode. Um, and it, it just carries you through the rest and I'll never be the one that will be rude to my opponent, but I know I don't give them the best game either simply because, you know, I'm not interacting with them as much as I was. There's a lot more grumbling about numbers and well, man, that should have happened and this should have happened. And I know I'm not the only one. Uh, this is, this is a common occurrence in this game, right? Um, but yeah, that's basically what happened there. Hmm.
0: Okay. So I have two anecdotes. One actually just happened to me recently, like a couple hours ago. And then another that I think kind of uh, contrasts a little bit uh, with what people think of normally when they think of tilt or when they think of uh, mental strength. And it's a lot less hyperbolic, hyperbolic, a little less dramatic. Um, The first one, though, however, is I was playing a game of League of Legends. Long story short, League of Legends, uh, there are five person teams on your team. It was a bunch of friends of mine, so we were all in chat, Discord chat, talking, having a good time. However, one friend was constantly—I'm um, just saying—you you, you know—negative things. Not in a sense that he was uh arguing or tilting. You just say things like, "I don't think we can get this objective. Uh, I I'm not strong enough for that. You're not strong enough for that." Just little facts that that may or may not have been facts, uh, but they kind of wore down our our mental state. Uh, me as. In League of Legends, I play the role of a play caller or a leader in the game, and so I was the plays I was making were were very conservative. Uh, you know, I was starting to doubt myself, even though I was I, I was very strong in that particular game, and we ended up losing. And I, I thought about it because I obviously I also was thinking about this episode topic for today, and I realized that uh, his his kind of. Um, he he immediately went into the game with a defeatist attitude. Um, he immediately started playing from behind, or as if he was playing from behind, even though realistically he wasn't. Uh, and it kind of wore down our mental fortitude as a team, as a unit. Uh, and then this does relate to my bigger 40k anecdote, uh, which is the team tournament at the end or uh, at the end of the summer last year in September. Uh, you can talk. Uh, we talked about it, it as episode one. I want to say 125, 130 is in there. Just look around the episodes around the end of August, early September, uh, where we talked about team tournaments. This is a really, really good episode, a uh, really good introspection into 40k team tournaments in general. And I learned a lot about 40k team tournaments after that event. So uh, there was one game or one round where we played uh, easily the best team in the tournament, which was the the Team Zero Comp team with Junior Aflehi, Ray Aumada, Jordan's Sp- Jordan, um, uh, I think Richard Coates are, uh, but it was just a really, really good team. They were the stacked team. They were the team that everyone knew we needed to beat. if we wanted to do well at this event. And so we went to this, and I think we actually paired really well. However, I was given Junior a matchup with uh, he had Knights, and I was playing a, a list that didn't play well into Knights. I, I knew it. I, I all had was Bolters. I, I I had a very hard time killing Knights. I knew I'd have a very hard time killing Knights. And I ended up playing Junior with kind of a defeatist attitude. And after the game, he talked to me and he said, well, why didn't you do this, this? You know, if you'd been more aggressive, you would have won. If you had shut out your my Knight Valiant uh, and kept it away from the game, you could have grabbed this zone and then et cetera, et cetera. And I realized I could have won if I hadn't played more conservative, if I hadn't started off that game with um, an I have to play from behind attitude. Uh, if I had been more aggressive or more confident in my decision-making – I would have won. And I actually applied that to the next day uh, when we played. When I played two more opponents who on paper could beat my list. Uh, one was an mech player with a, a kind of like an AdMech mech list. And I kind of took him by surprise with my aggression because he thought I'd be very conservative. Uh, and I just kind of went really aggressive and trusted in my ability to keep the game close. And I, I kind of beat him in the beginning and he almost came back, but I ended up winning that game. And we we as a team won that round and then finally, a game, a really, really good game against Kenny Boucher, uh, where Kenny played really well, and, and so did I, I think. Um, and he was kind of caught off guard by my ability to play against his army, and um, I ended up winning that game as well, too, edging it out. And if I'd beaten Junior, we would have won that round, and we also would have won the whole tournament, too. So it, it was just uh, that was just a quick uh, mental kind of step i told myself was hey you have to you can't look into uh going into a team tournament especially when your entire team is relying on you uh you can't go into it with a defeatist attitude even though the nature of 4k team events can kind of put you in that mindset right because you're you're taking a team a pairing and and you're taking a bad matchup for your army, so it's very very easy to fall into the pitfall of I'm going to lose this because it is the way fate has deemed it. Fate has deemed that horde armies will lose to twenty one aggressors and centurions with hurricane bolters every time, right? Um. So just uh, take take uh, I guess for the first tip of the episode is to go into the game with a completely neutral mindset um, and try not to take the matchup into consideration or try not to take the end result into consideration because you still have to roll dice.
1: Pablo, if I can add to that, I think even beyond a neutral mindset, exactly what you were talking about. Remember that in the moment you might not be able to figure out in that exact moment, how you're going to do that, how you're going to deal with this army, how you're going to win that game. And it looks awful, But then after the game, you looked back and said, wait, if I just do this, then I'll be fine. So that's part of the importance of keeping a neutral head and not getting too worked up is to realize I might not know what I need to do right in this moment, but if I give it time, I might see an opportunity or I might figure out a way to deal with this rather than saying, well, my opponent is better than me and has this way better list than me and there's all this intimidation factor you're stacking on top of each other and you're thinking, there's no way I can do this. Instead of thinking, I can't do this, think, I don't know how to do it right now, but I'm going to figure it out.
2: Hmm. I think that's very important um, just in the game in general, right? Like, 40K is a skill set. And so when you walk into any game, um, you, you, you shouldn't be looking at it as not just, like, how do I win this? It's what am I going to learn from this? look um, at like kind of like Brett Brandon said, like you' you're going in it if you if you're going into a, a matchup and you're like, man, I'm just running 300 uh cultists. I don't know what I'm thinking, my back hurts. this guy's playing you know I don't know 18 assault centurions. This is probably not gonna be a good match for me. Uh, just don't think that way. Uh, go into the game, play out a strategy, and then if you whether you win or lose, you, you need to learn something. That's the big takeaway, right? If, you, if As long as you keep that neutral mindset when the game's over and you can analyze it and say, okay, what did I learn? What could I have done differently? Um, You've progressed, right? You went from a state of some kind of, you know, unconscious uh, incompetence when it came to that particular matchup, and you've evolved into having like a conscious competence on how to handle it in the future.
1: That's right. And Agreed. Exactly what you're saying. If if you're super despondent, you're putting all this mental energy into feeling bad. But if you're putting that mental energy towards playing as well as you possibly can, that's the goal. And you'll be amazed sometimes at how it can work out, even when at the beginning, it didn't look like you'd be able to do anything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, to, to give one specific example of a, of a mental um, state, that people are in when they're in this is, is when people say the word or the term, they're as cool as a cucumber. Uh, w- one game that I'm very, very good at, and, and I'm not saying this um, with any ego, it's just fact is uh, magic. The gathering. I'm very, very good at that game. And I've had people tell me Pablo, even when you're losing, you don't, I don't feel like I'm beating you because you're, you're very confident. And that's, that comes from years and years of experience of playing a game for almost two decades, uh, at, a, at a reasonably high level um, I always feel like in a game of magic I have a chance and there's always a puzzle and a way for me to win even if I'm absolutely losing and I don't unfortunately have the confidence with Warhammer 40k to obtain that mindset however if you can be confident in in your decision making if you say things like when something bad happens okay to your opponent like if your opponent says okay I'm gonna I'm going to charge your super key unit with my Assault Centurions. If you say things like, okay, uh, if you say things with confidence, if you're positive, it can not only throw your opponent off guard a little, like why are they confident? Um, Why are they cool? But also it can kind of have a calming effect on you. Um, If you always think of a game, whether it's 40k League of Legends, uh, a football game or whatever, as a puzzle that you have to solve to win and it could be a very hard puzzle or a very easy puzzle. However, there's always a way to solve the puzzle. You just need to find it and find a way to solve it before your opponent does. Uh, so if you think of it like that or can go into competition like that, being as cool as a cucumber is a very easy way to obtain a, a mentally strong mindset to compete and do well.
3: It is also delicious.
0: uh, Cucumbers are also really, really good.
1: On that note, I'll (laughs) pose a question to everyone. Um, What do you do when all logic says that you literally don't have any chance? And even after the game, you think, I definitely didn't have a chance. How is it that you would find a way to remain as cool as a cucumber in that situation, especially in a high-stress situation where uh, you really want to win, but you don't see how it's possible?
3: I think... One of the key things that you have to look at is you have to find the one or two smallest things that you feel could have gone one or the other way that, that could have changed the game. But to be honest, one of the easiest ways that I find that helps me stay positive and on track is I try and think about everything that I could have physically controlled myself. Like things that are out of my control are completely out of my control. They're out of your control. You know, once you roll the dice, there's nothing you can really do about the dice. So it's one of the reasons why you can't really be upset at dice rolls. It has to be about maneuvering or deployment or, you know, um, picking target priorities. You know, when uh, uh, recently at the Canhammer team tournament, you know, uh, my last round I got to play against um, a Iron Hands flyer list. That was uh, six six flyers, three Thunderfire cannons, intercessors. You just, the the run-of-the-mill, like, just shoot you off the board-style list. And, you know, it was definitely a really tough matchup. I was running a bunch of, like, very slow-moving coven stuff that was just never going to get there in a hammer and anvil deployment, which is even worse. And um, throughout the whole game, it was an uphill battle, and I did end up losing the game. However you know at the end of the game even though I did lose it wasn't a you know oh I don't feel I had a chance there were a couple of situations that I know I could have done different target priority early in the game to give me a better chance later and in hindsight instead of going oh well there was no physical chance I was thinking of stuff like well if I would have shot this plane sooner I would have had less shots coming at me or if I would have been able to wrap this unit of intercessors sooner it would have allowed me to not have to get shot for three turns, you know, that sort of thing. So it takes training though, to train your mind to think that way. It's not it's not a normal thing for someone to get their butt whooped and be like, I feel great. Now,
0: Peter, um obviously this question also applies to you personally, so feel free to respond it from a personal a personal standpoint as well too. However, you've you I think have seen the most amount of upsets from top players uh, at round one at tournaments. Uh, I think that not only are you also aware of who the top players are or who are players who were expected to win or who have that confidence, um, but also you just go to a lot of events and you track a lot of events. So what do you think it is that top players do after round one loss to get over the hump and go five and one. Uh, and I'm looking at things like when Brandon Grant lost round one at the, at the SoCal open uh, or at the LVO uh, when, when um a player lost like super early, a, a player everyone was expecting to win, but then rebounded and ended up going five and one or even within a game itself. Uh, like when John Lennon lost all of his intercessors um, in the semifinals of the LVO against Manny Chima and somehow pulled it through. That was John Lennon, right? That was the yeah. It was Caesar. like round.
2: It was uh, it was round was it? five, but yes, the same, what you're saying is true. Um, I mean, this is going to change from player to player, right? Like everybody mm-hmm. ha- goes into a game uh, or goes into an event with a set of goals, and I think that's that's what uh, defines defines them, right? So uh, Brandon Grant goes into LVO. And I mean, he's on the show, so I don't know why I'm using him as an example, but because I'm sure he can talk for himself. But he goes in with, you know, I'm uh, playing uh, like a step below everybody else because I'm playing an army that really hasn't gotten the same updates as certain other ones. Um, So I need to be able to perform at my best. I make a list that I think can handle what's currently in the meta as best as it possibly can if everything goes the way that it possibly can. Um, And then I'm just going to play the way I always play. Um, and I think that's true of any uh, top tier performer, right? They're going to go into an event. They're going to uh, they they have the skills. They know they have the skills to do it. It's whether they have the list and they have the right matchups. But even then, when they hit those roadblocks, they've assigned themselves goals. And so, whether if if the first goal isn't hit, then they have then they just default down to the next goal. So, perhaps their goal going in is, I'm going to win LVO. That's the that's the thing that I think anybody going to LVO, except for, you know, a, a set of people that are there to have fun, but there's a lot of players that go with, like, I'm going to win, and there's that portion of their mind that says, you know, I'm going to win this event. And then they take their first loss, and they say, okay, well, I'm not going to win anymore, so my next goal is, I'm going to go 5-1, and one. how am I going to do that? All while trying to figure out why they lost that game, so that not just, uh, but... To learn from it, right? So, for me personally, when I go into any game, what's kept me the last five or six years in particular um, from having these kind of tilting episodes that I did, you know, say ten years ago or nine years ago, um, is I've become a lot more introspective. So, when I go into a game, I have a goal, or even to an event, it's like, I want to go four and one, or three and two, or I want to be the best Custodes player here. Whatever I decide, that's my primary, that's, that's my primary goal, on top of I want to make sure my opponent has the best game they possibly can. And then I have a tertiary goal, and this goal is what keeps me in events, and that is I need to learn to be a better player. So if I lose a game, I, I need that to mean that like I, I need to become a better player because of it. Um, and that's what drives me, and that's what keeps me going, so that you know when I go to SoCal Open, my first major, and my first opponent is Richard Kilton, um... I don't care that he kicks the crap out of me even though he only beat me by 2 points, but like he like um I'm super excited because he taught me things and I can carry that on to my next game. And I can say, "Okay, well the next time I'm going up against this list, I know not to do that again or this again." Um and and it pushes you forward. It, as long as you're always improving, and I think that's as true of any top-tier player, as long as they're always improving or learning something, then it's a win as you carry through.
0: The- That's actually a really, really good point that I didn't think of, is that we we talk about being goal-oriented. That's something that I've said on this podcast, and it's something that's generally seen as very positive. Uh, You should be goal-oriented. However, the quality of those goals, goals, and even the quantity of those goals, uh, is also very important. If you tunnel vision on a very specific goal, i.e. winning the tournament, uh, beating this particular player, instead of overarching goals, you are setting yourself up. To for disappointment if you don't achieve those goals. However, if like Peter said, you uh, you set up go goal, long term goals, um introspective goals, goals that are are a lot less tangible uh, that you can look at and reflect on. Uh, they can definitely help you obtain a calmer mindset. Like I might have lost to Richard Kiltner. Or I might have I might have lost three games in a row, uh, making my goal goal of going four and two bad. However, uh, I really need to focus on. On my board, my board compositioning play, my movement gameplay, uh, learning my armies, and remembering all of these stratagems, or just uh, keeping my cool, or you can even make it something that isn't related to the game itself. Maybe your goal is to find Brandon Grant, meet him, and learn from him. Maybe to watch as many 40k tournament games as possible while also getting games in yourself. Uh, or you know, maybe it's getting on stream, winning a paint award, or whatever have you. Uh, Keeping, being goal oriented and making sure those goals are holistic and not something that you tunnel vision on is I imagine something that can keep you in a positive health, healthy mental mindset for competition, um, especially if you know if you're still trying to do well.
1: Yeah, I think you guys have really added a lot here, like Scari's focus on focus on what you can control not the things you can't control. So if you're devoting that mental energy to, oh, I really wanted to win best custodies player, and someone else has already passed me, I guess I don't need to play as hard anymore. If you've set goals that are outside of your control, and things go wrong, then you're going to feel despondent. We're trying to avoid that. And then um, setting goals is really important. I agree with Peter there. If, if you set the wrong goals and and things don't work out, Then again you're going to go back into that despondent place so if we look at this as a design problem we want to be cool as a cucumber we want to be super focused on playing as well as possible and we want to set goals that make it easy for us to do that so if we set goals and only focus on goals that have elements that are outside of our control well, Murphy's Law applies here. Eventually, things outside of our control will go against us. So eventually, I'm going to roll 25 out of 26 four-ups uh, and just fail all of my army saves turn one, and I'm going to lose a game that I shouldn't have, or whatever it is that happens. That one in a thousand chance is going to happen eventually. So I need goals that aren't affected by my win-loss record, so that when I'm in a six-round event, for some reason, and I go into that sixth game, I still need to be playing at that highest potential. Like, again, Pablo, or any of these games where you're going in and you know you've already lost, but you play as excellently as possible anyway, that's what you want. That's what we're trying to focus on here. So whatever that goal is, so for example, it could be, I'm going to move in the movement phase as well as I possibly can and try and learn about that as well as I possibly can because I can't change the list after I'm at the event and that's a thing I can control so yeah, even though my army is getting tabled turn 1 could I have moved differently so that the game could be drawn out so I could get more points, whatever it is whatever it is that keeps you interested in continuing to play as excellently as possible Um, in my case um, I really like looking at every game as a test of my abilities and win or lose i want to be able to go wow i played really well so for example um my loss at lvo was to an excellent player with a rainbow marines list with raven guard successor iron hand successor and imperial fists and (laughs) all the right tools to beat my army and he played exactly the way he should and i lost 70 guardsmen by the bottom of turn two top of turn two so he's got 10 raven guard successor plus three inch range stealthy centurions that are going to arrive on turn three and table me and i managed to screen out those centurions successfully with move 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 company commanders so all he can charge and shoot are company commanders and i felt really good about that even though i was getting my you know metaphorical ass beaten here um it felt really good to say you know what I fought hard to have these characters survive because he had six Eliminators that could have killed them all over the course of the game, and I had the right tech in my list and did the right fire priority and got rid of the Eliminators and all this other stuff just to have two company commanders in the right place at the top of turn three so that the Centurions couldn't arrive where he wanted them. That felt really good, and ultimately there was a dice moment in that game where things went south, and it was a super interesting game even beyond that point, but... I get to have a story now where I said, yeah, I played really well and I lost, but I had a great time. And those are the moments you're looking for as well as having a good time, learning something new, um, or even meeting someone cool. And it was really great to meet people from all across the world. And you can hear in my voice the excitement about this game that I lost. So... Again, in summary, we're looking for goals, and we're looking for concepts and ideas that we can hold on to, so that even when we're zero and five and everything looks as dark as it can possibly get, that we're still playing our best.
0: Very good, Scar, Do you have anything else to add to that?
3: Absolutely. Uh, I hear, hear. That's that's what I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I think we nailed it. We're the best. <laughs> so,
0: so. Th- Wash your hands. Th- <laughs> we're good. <laughs> Um, there, unfortunately, there's another aspect of this that I wanted to uh, kind of segue into, uh, and that's uh, the idea of one final moment. So there's something else that we haven't talked about that you can apply this strong will towards, and that's one key moment in a game, and you being in the mindset to make that key decision. You know, sometimes uh, you're you're just a person, all you have is a will to survive, uh, you know, you're... Your rival spitting out a challenge, and you have to meet it. You, you can't God. lose your grip on the dreams You're also, of you the know, past. Eye of the
3: tiger in this up. <laughs> what
0: the? So uh,
3: what the, games well, have you been playing?
0: What I'm alluding to is the one final, uh, maybe the kick to win the Super Bowl, the decision that you need to make, where you need to push everything out. Uh, you, you have one very specific goal, and I know, I know, I'm saying, it, I know, I just said that you don't want a tunnel vision. However, there is a a proven psychological fact that there are people who can push everything out and focus on key specific things and have the mental strength to make those decisions, even with, with facing immense amounts of pressure do succeed. That's something that we deal with regularly in our lives. That's something that we have to persevere through in competition. And it's the same thing. I've seen it happen in games where uh, Brandon playing a, uh, Brandon playing Alex Harrison at the LVO last LVO comes to mind perfectly uh, where he did have to kind of focus micro play down and kind of take it one dice roll at a time um, all the way to a surprise photo finish. So my question to you three is what are some qualities of those people, those people who can go into those high pressure situations and make the right calls uh, that other people um, should aspire to or that they have? Right. So what do the John Lennons, the Brandon Grants, the Tom Brady's, uh, Adam Vinatieri's of the world have? Uh, what do you think um, about their character is something that they, they have that makes them successful in those high pressure situations?
3: Whenever we're talking about competition and people falling down and getting back up again, I always look to professional athletes just in general because their mentality is ingrained in them since they're like children that they, they want to do what they want to do, no matter the cost. And they, they just put their head down and they do it. And they understand that failing and losing and scraping your knees and, you know, breaking bones and that that's all part of the process. So you have to be confident enough to do the right thing, regardless of like what the outcome is, you know, I I was going to use Michael Jordan as an example, but you know, over his career, he missed like what 9,000 shots or whatever. He lost 300 (laughs) games, you know, uh, uh, like 25 or 26 times, they gave him the shot to win the game and he missed it, right? So it's like, you know, even someone who's hailed to be one of the best basketball players of all time, if not the best, you know, had like a lot of failings, right? And, and, And it's just part of it. You have to sort of trust your instinct that you have what it takes in those scenarios.
0: That's a really good point. Uh, Brandon and Peter.
1: This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges. So you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantink. Hmm. I'd rather Peter go first here because I don't feel like talking about my games anymore because I feel like I've already overdone it.
2: I've done enough. We're here. This is what, this is what I'll say when it comes to professional anything. Um, I watch a lot of tape. Like you said, Pablo, I witness a lot of games uh, and, and it's the same, with, like Scary said, it's the same with any kind of sport or anything like, anything like that. Um, this attitude that they have, that these players have, it comes from experience. It's, the reason why they're able to tunnel vision, etc., on the exact thing that they need to do at any given time is because they've played enough games that all of the other decisions—I kind of mentioned it earlier—are unconscious to them now, right? Um, like if you talk, I talk a lot to players from my like back east, back, my back home, that are you know kind of new to the game. They're trying to figure things out, and they're always like, "Well, what do I do in this scenario? What do I do in that scenario?" These are all, th- and they to me. Sometimes they seem pretty basic. Right. Um, But it's because I've watched enough tape, I've played enough games that, you know, I've been in those experiences. It's just second nature to me. Oh, this is the answer to that. So when those pivotal moments come because, you know, um, Brandon has played 700,000 games, give or take. Um, he knows exactly what he like wh- where the you know fulcrum point of that match is going to come or you know x amount of fulcrum points because there's not just going to be one in most of in most events um and so he can push aside all the rest just because he can handle them unconsciously he knows I need to move these bodies here to handle this situation these bodies here and they just he just does it. Um, and it's, it's the same when it comes to, you know, work or anything else. Like you and I Pablo, have talked about what I do for a living and you thought it was super complicated when I tried to explain it to you. Um, but I've talked to, you know, several thousand airplanes. So it's not to me. Um, I'll be honest, Peter,
0: I still don't even know what you do.
2: (laughs) So for me, like when I try to explain, you know, Hey, when I, in these scenarios, this is what I do. Um, it sounds really complicated, but I've done it so many times that. I, I could do it half asleep, and then there's just going to come that one point where a pilot's going to say the right thing, and that's when I turn on, right? And I sit up straight, and I can put all my focus on that particular incident or whatever's about to occur because it's it's it, I know instinctively this is something that needs more focus. Right. Hmm. And it's going to be the same for a player in a professional game. They can do all the unconscious things or the things they're consciously aware of that are that they that, you know, Okay, in this circumstance, this has happened to me before. I'm going to do this. And then they just come to that point, whether it's round four, round five, whatever, where or round three, Brandon looks at the table and says, "Okay, I need to get my company commanders here and here or I lose this game. Right. Um, And it's it's just because he has that experience necessary to make that decision.
0: Hmm. I feel like parents do that, too. Like I know, you do I've it seen. Yeah, that's right? true. That's true. But um, yeah, yeah. It there are, there is. It is very easy to instinctually jump into a a mindset where you just succeed. Whether it's like catching your toddler as they fall with lightning fast reflexes, or uh, you know, making the right decisions at the right time to win the Las Vegas Open in the YTC or whatever have you. Uh, that's a really good point. Okay. One final rant, and then we'll move on to the patron questions. So this is just a real quick rant on uh, uh, Tilt and the idea of uh, leaving games. Uh, I myself do uh, quit tournament games or surrender to my opponent. Um, I don't rage quit, and I think that there's a big difference between rage quitting games and conceding early with the intent to better yourself in another way. All right, so um, for those of you who wouldn't like, let's say, I... Uh, say I left a tournament early, I dropped after day one, uh, I quit or surrendered to a game on the top of three or, or whatever. Um, just keep in mind that I might be making that decision because I need. I want to spend the time talking to my opponent about ways I could have won. Or I want to go watch other 40k tournament games or, or whatever have you. So uh, always give the benefit of the doubt to people who do. Leave early. Leave tournaments. Drop after day one. uh, Surrender games. If you're playing someone and your opponent wants to surrender, just you know, don't don't let there be any hard feelings. Um, You know, talk to the opponent if they're surrendering. You know, ask them like, hey, what what do you think you could have done better? Or you could even talk to them and say, hey, what do you think I could have done better? Um, Do you think if you had done this, you know, just talk about the game. Try and um, try and keep them involved, or let them do that to you. Uh, so just that's just something that I see online is when someone concedes, especially in the warmer 40k gaming world, uh, they usually get um, blasted if they concede early or if they drop early. I've seen this happen multiple times. So just it's not rage quitting unless it is rage quitting. Then it's very obviously something toxic that you can be like, OK, this guy's crushing his models and throwing a fit and conceded on like before dice have even been rolled, which has happened. So um, there's just a a line there, and um, just be more careful when looking for that line. That's it. Rant over was barely a rant. Yeah, what are you talking
2: about, Pablo? I'm really (laughs) disappointed in you. I was expecting screams
1: and... (laughs) Table flipping. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. nerd rage.
0: (laughs) Anyways... (laughs) Um, All right, moving on to the end of the episode. At the end of every episode, we like to open the floor out to our patrons. So we answer their questions. Normally, the questions are about the topic on hand. However, I was busy this weekend, like I said. I didn't have time to come up with a topic, so I kind of, Brandon Grant saved me. Um, But what that means is that uh, (laughs) I told the patrons to ask us anything. Anything for the coast, instead of very specific stuff. So um, I'm going to keep these questions family-friendly. Obviously, I don't want to ask questions that might cause arguments or complaints or feels-bads. But they are not going to be all topical. Uh, Just simply because the patrons didn't know what topic we were going to be on. So, starting with the first question. uh, Patron Dan wants to know going first versus going second. When should you select to go first? What armies are better at going first? Uh, Ditto for going second. So, um, just a quick, like, 10-15 second um, generalities about going first versus going second. Anyone can answer it. I'm not good enough to.
1: I can handle this one. So, uh, primarily the advantage to going first is board control. So, you're getting your models into the middle and threatening the middle objectives before your opponent can move forward themselves. So... If you're going first with a board control style list, even if your opponent hides everything and you can't shoot anything, if you're able to threaten the middle objectives before they can even get to them, that's a big advantage. So otherwise, it's, of course, if you're playing an alpha strike style list and your opponent doesn't have the tools needed to stop you, go first. Or if you're playing a really shooty army versus a really shooty army and the terrain isn't very good, go first. But other than that, I think going second is usually better
0: good stuff. Alright, Patron Paul wants to know, Can you all discuss the silent killer that is Admech? They've had such aggressive points cuts all edition, and all it will take is a good psychic awakening to shoot them up into a tier 1 position. Just look at the roster and data sheets, and they're so good, but the army rules let them down. Uh, Still, they managed to nudge their way into top 10 factions and top 4s, etc., etc. So I think this is a good question for the Falcon. yes. First off, AdMec, where actually where do they actually stand roughly in terms of win percentage compared to everywhere else? And also, do you think that they're so close to being top tier?
2: I think if you had asked me this question pre-LVO, I would have said they were just about there. Um, AdMec had a lot of stuff going for them in uh, December, January. Um, they were one of the few factions with a, with a win rate over 50% um just because you know space marines had been so oppressive uh, around that time period um january comes we get a couple more psychic awakenings out and ADMEC um have really started to drop down um like i i think uh, paul it's paul right paul newton did mm-hmm. ask this question yeah, yeah see so paul i think he's he's right in that they are they are very close but we're now in a kind of meta where Close doesn't cut it. There's five or six factions, probably more like eight or nine, um, that just need like something else. And hopefully Psychic Awakening is what it is, because I'm really excited about RoboDogs, and I hope that they work and they're good, um, because, man, I'm going to run the shit out of fucking robo dogs for cult cult Nick when they uh, when they're released as long as they're yeah. even like halfway decent rules but yeah so he's right they, they are on the cusp of greatness but um that it's a fine line and if you're below that line right now you might as well be garbage unfortunately
0: hmm. all right uh, next question patron tyler wants to know if orcs become a larger portion of top table play by the way that gas looks amazing oh, he just man. came out this, this week. oh my gosh
3: uh prime Orc incoming however okay if- so everybody should uh, comment war we are green <laughs> skins no, don't do that. that's right Wah. no Wah. no we'll is that like a gamesy thing a relic mm-hmm. of ancient past <laughs>
0: Alright, so, Tyler, um, how do you, with orcs coming into the fold, how do you balance having enough shots to handle 200 plus bodies, but also those more resilient multi-wound units like vehicles? Um, Actually, I'm going to take this a little, and then you guys can add this add on to a little bit more. However, we did talk about this a couple episodes ago, uh, where we kind of talked about where the meta was going to go, and it definitely looks like Eldar going more vehicle heavy. Um, Knights are unfortunately not great, however, Lord Discordance Things from the Chaos, tougher units like the Chaos side, I definitely see happening because the Horde meta is coming. Um, so I, I, I think it'll come down to what Space Marine players, ult- what list Space Marine players ultimately settle on as being the best list. Um, so keep an eye on Space Marines and what they're building their lists to deal with. It'll probably be Raven Guard. It'll probably be Assault Centurions still um, and Aggressors. Yeah.
2: yeah, right now so, so far, two weeks yeah. in. It's 100% Raven Guard with Assault Centurions. They are absolutely dominant now.
0: Yep. So um, keep that in mind. Uh, And then also, more importantly, don't make any decisions until the April FAQ, where a lot of stuff is going to get shaken up. I am predicting that. Predicting that a lot of stuff will get shaken up.
2: Okay. Do you think they'll open it up with um, the game's in a really good place, guys, so we're not going to do anything?
3: (laughs) And all we hear are crickets. And rage quitting <laughs> all around. And cue the Curb Your Enthusiasm music.
1: <laughs> at this point, I can only speculate that they're listening to people on Facebook and paying attention to the meta, especially at games like Adepticon. So, I doubt it.
0: The thing that worries me is... Um, we are seeing attendance drop in um, in events due to, to the coronavirus, um, which may affect Adepticon. I'm not sure. I'm not trying to make any predictions or, or anything. However, what I'm worried about is that what if there's kind of a lack of 40k games and a lack of stats for people to look at? And so by the time the end of March rolls around, when they're kind of like finalizing the FAQ or whatever, they just kind of look at it and go like, oh, we fixed it because mm-hmm. no one's playing games no. of 40k
2: <laughs> no, there, they de- there's I mean, definitely already enough numbers uh, that's th- true. where you can start to say see things. Um, I think my concern um, with Adepticon, uh, other than I-, I am concerned about you know attendance and such, um, is that its mission set is so different than what what is generally played, right? Um, and I. I'm just not sure if we should be basing any kind of uh, faction decisions on a, you know, a custom mission design that is only really used for that one event, plus you know the two or three people that that run events to prep for Adepticon. Um, but that's a whole other like that's a whole other show, I guess, onto itself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's my concern. I'm less concerned about attendance. I, there's enough events going on. Like we're having a, a five or six GTs and majors every week. That if people wanted to look at the right numbers, they're there.
0: Okay. Alright, Um, next uh, patron Kelsey came in with the amazing double header question. Normally if you ask two questions, I don't ask them both. However, these are both really good questions. Uh, the first one is, with Burhammer doing so well at the LVO with a singular list that they all collectively created and ran, do you think that other 4 k teams will do the same, um, the same thing? Kind of like the, uh, and he alluded to, pro-Magic the Gathering teams um, who all use the same list and that's very true. Uh, we talked about this going into the LVO, uh, was basically Brohammer just disappeared into a house for weeks at a time and then came back out with the super list that won the LVO. Do you, are you, do you think we're going to see more of that in 40k now, uh, where you have teams like uh, the Hammer guys, um, specifically the Brohammer, Team Zero Comp, etc., who go in, come out with a super list and all run it? Or um, do you think that's just kind of like a, a one-off kind of exception?
1: I mean, we've seen bits and pieces of it before, so Michael Snyder and I, for example, ran the almost exact same list in 2018's LVO, and we ran exactly the same list in the LVO before that, but for an entire team to do it, um, that's far more unusual, and I, I wouldn't expect that to become mainstream, per se, anytime soon.
3: I think that the structure for Brohammer was set up in a way that they, a, they were all willing to do it. B they, they sort of like planned it and they have like the geography and whatever, and all the means to sort of get together and plan it. I could see as 40 K gets better then you know, maybe that, that could be a thing as 40 K becomes more like a mainstream competitive, like sport in that sense. However, it's also going to be a great way to stress test things. You know, if something becomes prevalent or there's a, you know, an exploit that happens like that, then it's a lot easier to fix it, Hmm. which I think is uh, also good for the game. Yeah. Yeah. So, We'll go ahead, Peter. I was going to say, you
2: guys got it. I think at this point, um, like that's going to be, a, I would feel more of a North American thing anyway, playing, um, you know, consistent list. We've seen Beast Coast and a couple others do it, uh, you know, running like the Leos Isidon list. There were like four or five people running that at LVO. So, and it was like model for model the same. It's obvious that that, that, that didn't just happen that way. Yeah. Um, if you look at the uk and uh, sweden and other places in europe because they're so wtc focused and so team uh, event focused i think you're not going to see that happen because each guy's really you know training practicing for that wtc so they're going to be focusing on their own individual factions more than anything else it's it's highly unlikely you would see a team over there all decide to play marines at the same time because there's only one guy that's going to be playing that at wtc right so
0: yeah, it's a good point. So the only thing I want to add to this is if you were a team and you're looking to take yourself up to the next level, the one thing I did notice Brohammer do offic- efficiently was consistently hug. play with each other. At they also hug all the time, so make sure you hug all your teammates. But um, they they consistently played at events together and kind of pseudo did it at events already. Um, we we were talking about Brohammer, you know, back in back in the spring of last year. We were talking about them going to events, about them rising up, and they—they they definitely made their stamp on the competitive scene uh, during the BAO of last year, um, in, in particular. However, even before then, they were doing well and they were winning games. So, just yeah, um, they were
2: running their own little events in Florida and trailer parks, and then it'd be like you know thirty people from Brohammer attended of right. the thirty-two. So, and
0: and. and uh, the more important thing is, is that they they were relatively new to the competitive 40k scene. Obviously, John Lennon's been around a while. However, um, even though John Lennon was good player, he wasn't like he definitely rose up as one of the top tier players this year. Obviously, Richard Siegler, same thing, Ruben Fernandez. They all, as a team, stepped it up this year and w- just made the conscious decision to do that. So, if you want to do something like that, make sure to start now, start early, get a team together, make sure they're all local. All right. And then the second question that Kelsey had was uh, Do you see parallels between top tier competitive players of 40K and top tier competitive players of other games? And then, if, um, are there anything 40K player competitive players can learn from top tier players of other games that you kind of think about?
2: A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, there's no, like, um, for, for me like i don't play as much obviously living where i do and and only getting to travel occasionally um but it, for me from a 40k perspective i watch um other esports and not just because i i like them like i i, I will listen to day 9 talk about commentary for magic the gathering just because it's something that it, it's something i want to become better at right so, and I'll do that for others too, right? Like eSports commentators, I'll watch them, I'll listen to their tape um, just to get better at what I do because I, I want to be, if I'm go- If people are going to want to actually listen to me for some odd reason when I talk nonsense on the internet, I want to at least be able to be providing a better service. So that's something that I do. And I think that trickles down to play as well. You're, like there's a lot of consistent, a lot of consistency there between, between games and the gamer's mindset.
1: Mm,
0: did we lose Peter? I believe so. Oh no! Oh, I thought that was me. Falcon down. Sorry me.
1: No, Falcon the, down.
3: I'm here. Oh, he's back. You're oh, back. You're back. back. Okay, did, great. did. Did I?
1: Lo-
2: did you lose all my cool speech about? Uh, no, magic you said gathering? you
3: want. If somebody wants to listen to me making a fool out of myself, and then you cut. Oh it.
2: no! Well, if someone wants to listen, I want to make sure that I'm <laughs> like that. I'm as knowledgeable as possible. Right. So I will listen to day nine or I will listen to others in, in the community for other communities, um, and, uh, you know, talk to them about how they do what they do and watch tape from them just to get any kind of, uh, that extra kind of leg up. Um, and, it, and I think that's, that's true, um, at a play level as well. Like there's a lot of cross pollination when it comes to the gamer mindset. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: Sorry, the next question. So Jason, who's actually the TO of the Tahoe Crown GT, which I will be attending. uh, They just became a sponsor of the podcast. um, So I'm going to be attending the Tahoe Crown GT. So if you're going to be around the Lake Tahoe area in in Nevada, California, come by, come to the event. It's going to be hopefully, oh, it's 40 players max. So it's not going to be major. Tickets are selling out fast. However, if you want to go, I will be there. I'm pushing for Reese and Frankie to be there too. I'm pretty sure Reese said he was going to go. But you never know with Reese. Uh, however, he asked a lot of questions. Um, they're, they're obviously not obviously um, not something we'll ask on the podcast. However, he the email he sent me also had even more questions. <laughs> he, he sent me the d- the event details, and then was like, "Oh, I have more questions." And they're all things like politics and stuff we definitely shouldn't talk about. However, I'm gonna pull one out. Which is, did Magnus do anything wrong? Which is kind of politics, oh, but it's my 40k goodness. politics. Delete
3: so, right did, now. Did
0: Magnus do anything of wrong? Of course he did. Oh, <laughs> immediately we're gonna have dissension. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I, I personally don't think so. I think he was just <laughs> he was just uh, fighting against his instinct to do better, and he always had his good intentions in mind, just like Gilliman when he created the Unremembered Empire get it straight
2: didn't yeah but anything. gulliman didn't like you know sacrifice part of his like body to a chaos god knowingly and uh, you know there's a whole lot of stuff going on there i th- i think he i think there were some mistakes made on the magnus part mistakes were made. i don't know <laughs> yeah mistakes <laughs> were definitely made
0: yeah i agree that mistakes were made but did you do anything wrong were they wrong mistakes
2: what yes what <laughs> Anyway. what let's move let's move forward Let's move forward. Uh, There's
3: no discussion here.
2: Yeah. Wash your hands, everyone. 20 seconds.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, now,
0: Nathan, patron Nathan, with another series of good, good questions, asking the real questions. We're wondering, like, is deep dish pizza really pizza? Et is et cetera, et is et it cetera. another Magnus doing things wrong? No, I think questions. it's the sandwich I it is,
2: question, but I, I answered gonna, that. I sent him the link. Everything's yeah. good
0: um so uh, the big one actually the one i like from his is why do you think we're all bad at 40k and Mm. by we i'm sure he's talking about the listeners and not us because we're all amazing that's why we have a podcast (laughs) Mm. but um why do you think we're all bad at 40k and also what's the best and fastest way to improve
2: number one fastest way
3: number
0: one right now if you had to tell someone give them one piece of advice to improve what would it be
3: get a coach play more games
0: Play more game. I would. I was going to say play more games. as Well, I mean,
1: if you're in a situation where you know all the rules of the game and you still can't seem to do very well, then um, listening to this podcast is a good one. But definitely finding someone who really knows their stuff and watching really good pl- people play the game and explain what they're doing would be super helpful because there's some really subtle stuff in every phase of the game that can really turn a game around from something that's unwinnable to something that. Um, you edge out a win. Uh, I, it's way too much to explain in one podcast, but know your rules and then find people who know how to do shenanigans and learn from them. Yeah. Find people because that are better need, than you and learn from them.
3: Right? You need, you need like, you, and even in your local game store, like you're out there, your local community there, there are players out there that know the game better than you. And you need to sort of like stalk them almost hmm. and like watch them play and ask them questions you have to find a mentors like one of the one of the things that that is very important because your your learning curve like we all go through a learning curve will will skew and will become a lot sharper and steeper if you sort of like steal the ideas of someone who is already knows what they're doing. Yeah, like if you if you if you talk to somebody who knows what they're doing, you, you're going to learn a lot, lot faster. So honestly, don't don't. And a lot of the times, like, you might be shy, you might not like to walk up to people and ask questions and things like that. However, that is, to answer the question, one of the fastest ways you can get better is just find somebody who knows the game better than you and ask them a bunch of questions and watch them play and, you know, and then soak it in and then apply it instead of just saying, oh, that's silly, you know, and, you know, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I think the simplest thing, piece of advice I'd give is just to play more
3: games and devote more time to it. That's it. But well, People would say practice makes perfect, Pablo, but remember, if you're practicing shitty, then <laughs> you're going to get, you're going to learn how to do something shitty really, really hey, well.
0: Hey, if you, if you, just saying, if you win, if you're winning one in a thousand games of 40k and you play more games and you win two in 1,000 games of 40k instead of one in 1,000, that's improvement, buddy. <laughs> so just playing more games Okay, of fair 40K. enough,
3: fair enough. <laughs> it all it all
2: comes together it all you know why
3: blame you know i blame magnus
2: it's true (laughs) he this is what he did wrong he made us like this
0: anyways uh, and then finally uh we have a faction specific question patron jake wants to know do you feel a harlequin's battalion of three fusion troop boats some bikes and associated characters can be an efficient ally to eldar heavy supports
3: yes sure yes yeah sure do it simple question simple answer Yes, you just have to learn how to use them well. Yeah, cause troops because troops are soft. Uh, there's a lot of subtleties in how to use the three boats, uh, fire and fading and double moving, and to get those blasters where you need them, essentially. All and right. by blasters, I mean fusion pistols. Uh,
0: So, we are an hour into the episode. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Keep in mind, if you are listening to this on YouTube or Spotify, episodes are going to be one week behind. Um, I basically missed an episode because we were switching over, and then we, we needed to upload to Spotify and YouTube. There's some complications. However, we're going to be back on schedule. Also, if you hear on YouTube and Spotify us reference ads, you won't be seeing advertisements on YouTube or Spotify. Also... Uh, there might be some new additions to YouTube uh, in the form of uh, shorter form episodes or more content basically for you all. Um, it, it's it's just expect some more changes as the Frontline Gaming Network improves and kind of builds an identity for itself. So also let us know about the ads. I know there were some issues with the audio where some ads were, were louder than the audio in the podcast. Um, we've I've hopefully fixed them. Um, however, just let me know in the comments on YouTube, or not on YouTube, but uh, on FrontlineGaming.org, or you can email me, FrontlineGamingPDpop at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to buy stuff at FrontlineGaming.org, buy GW and FLG mats and ITC Terrain. Finally, Scary, where can they find you?
3: You can find me on YouTube, Skardcast, for bow reports and stuff, on Patreon, and or the Art of War. Hmm. 40K. And uh,
0: Peter, if they want to hear you make uh, flying noises, cute flying noises in your tower, uh, where can they find you?
2: Ooh, well, uh, I'm not going to give my address on air. That's a little, a little come uh, on, <laughs> a little bold, Pablo. But uh, if they want to just, you know, hear my uh, my s- sultry voice. Again, I, I I do appear on uh, 40K Stats Center, which we are trying to release every Friday, and uh, that seems to be the go-to now, to, so we don't overlap with anybody else. And um, also, you can just head on over to 40KStats.com. Uh, it's the cagey little website that could, and you can see all the stats and everything that's been uh, happening in the world. I try to update it every uh, Sunday night, Monday morning, with all the stats from the weekend prior. If it's not up, then it'll be done by Tuesday or Wednesday. It really just depends on how busy a weekend we've had. Um, But yeah, everything's up to date there right now if you want to take a look at uh, where the meta has been headed post-Marine FAQ.
0: And finally, Brandon Grant, you have a budding astromilitarum community growing that you cultivated last week on air.
1: That's right. It's a private group, so just message me through Facebook if you're interested, and I'll add you. Oh, no. There you go. And if you're looking for Brandon, uh, look for Brandon Grant. I have the American flag icon. Can't miss it.
0: It's great. It's glorious. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, you are all the best listeners in the world. And as always, have a good one.
2: Bye-bye.